Welcome to the first episode of Full Circle. I'm your host, Jordan Barron. In this series, we feature stories from the Greater Victoria area that speak to what really matters to Vancouver Islanders. Each episode delves into a different topic of the best and the most challenging parts of living in Victoria. You'll hear reports on important issues pertinent to the community, on-the-scene tours of points of interest, and one-on-one interviews with citizens that are adding to the vibrancy of the town, all of which beg to answer the question of why people rush to visit and live in the borders of the Garden City. All right, let's get started. Support for Full Circle comes from Oak Bay Bikes. Serving cyclists in Victoria for over 80 years, Oak Bay Bikes has two locations and free pickup drop-off service. They are there wherever you need them. Find Oak Bay Bikes online at oakbaybikes.com. When Ryan was young, he dreamed of working a job that could take him to see the world. As he settled into a role of working in childminding, he reacquainted himself with a friend from the past. The friend in question was one who landed herself a job on board a cruise ship. The main thing that tipped me off was what she did on the ship. She worked in childcare. So she was taking care of the kids on the ship, and I thought to myself, I've worked in summer camps for five years, that's totally something I could do. Ryan reminisced about his wants to travel abroad for work. Really, she just told me about the job, and then she told me about traveling to all these different places and where she had been. She told me about traveling all over the Caribbean, and I just thought, that's, that's for me, that's what I want to do. When he decided that cruise line life was for him, Ryan sent in a job application and was promptly swept off his feet into a world of cruising, travel, and tourism. As far as the starting off and getting to the ship, it's almost like a big whirlwind. They give you a big list of things you need to do. And they say, okay, we need your medical, we need a criminal record check, we need all this paperwork, and we need it by last week. And so it's just this big chaos, and there's it's so weird because you're not actually talking with the cruise line, you're talking with another person who's getting you this job. The whole time you're sitting here thinking to yourself, like, is this a real thing? Is this actually happening right now? Like, I have all these official-looking documents and paperwork, but I have never talked to anybody in Norwegian Cruise Lines yet, and they're just expecting me to show up. Uh, So it was really surreal at first, um, the first time. And even when I joined my other cruise lines, it never changed joining for the first time. Each of the many big boats that dock at Ogden Point bring a sea of visitors to the island, and each of those visitors bring business to the downtown core's eager vendors. In order to create opportunity for hardworking Victoria businesses to sell their goods and services, the city works hard every year to think of more and more events and attractions to bring the tourists in. But in a city of under 400,000 people, is there such a thing as too much to do? Is there any merit in creating an attraction geared only towards tourists without any community members in mind? And how can Victoria citizens take advantage of events and happenings that do not cater to them? In this episode, we explore stories of people who have bought into the thriving tourism industry of Victoria. We'll take a look at why a market was created specifically for cruise ship patrons, what it's like to work for a cruise line, and how two identical festivals quietly fought for funding and crowds. From CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, I'm your host, Jordan Barron. This is Full Circle. Stay tuned. Our first story features a man who used the tourism industry to find himself a career doing what he loves. When it comes to the cruise ships that dock at Ogden Point every summer, Victoria citizens seem to be divided one way or another. 
One person will say that the tourists coming off of boats are a nuisance to downtown living. Another will say that the ships bring in piles of money for the economy, which rules over any other inconvenience that the hordes of tourists may cause. Ryan, who has worked on a handful of cruise lines since his first sailing seven years ago, has found a way to profit from the industry that has Victorians in opposition of each other. He's also come to love the patrons he works for, both on board and when he's off duty. Coming up, this is Cruising. Uh, Just this last year alone, I traveled to the Bahamas, so Nassau. I traveled all over the Caribbean, so Belize, Roatan, Honduras. Um, I've been to Colombia and Cartagena. I've been to the Panama Canal. I've been up and down the Mexican Riviera. Um, on both sides, Western and Eastern. Discover the history and grandeur of Europe, where fairy tale settings come alive on new limited sailings through Northern Europe, including new stops at Amsterdam and Stonehenge. Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, went to Cozumel, Costa Maya. Or venture to captivating Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and beyond. Uh, then I've been, most recently I was in Alaska, I did Ketchikan, Juno, Skagway. Adventure is calling on our Alaskan cruises. And then I did Europe last year, and I traveled all over the Baltics and the Mediterranean. And I did England, Scotland, Ireland, Estonia, Russia, Sweden, Denmark. Then we did Portugal, then we went down to the Mediterranean, and I sailed out of Barcelona, Italy, and France. I think I've done over 20 different countries and over 60 different ports of call, and that's just in one year alone, so. So where do you want to sail? My name is Ryan, and I work on cruise ships. So I've been in the industry for over seven years. I've done a lot of different jobs on the ship, from taking care of children to entertainment and acting on stage. And right now I am a shopping consultant. I've worked for Norwegian Cruise Lines, Holland America Lines, and Disney Cruise Lines. The idea of working on a cruise ship, believe it or not, popped into my head when I was actually pretty young, still in high school. Uh, Just the idea about working on a ship and traveling and being away from home seemed really cool. And I talked to a few people growing up that had worked on ships, so they had always talked about their experiences, some positive, some not, but it was always in the back of my mind. Yeah, it wasn't until I met someone who had worked on ships that same summer that I was talking to them, and they really pointed me in the right direction. They gave me all the information I needed, they gave me an email, and basically after I sent off a resume, they gave me a job offer in a couple of weeks, and three months later I was flying off to New York to join a ship. First day of ships is always the same for everyone, I think. Being on the cruise line for a long time, you see the new people coming on, and it's just so overwhelming. When they fly you in, they fly you always the night before you get on the ship. They put you in a hotel room that you just know half the people there you're going to be working with for the next few months. And so you try to be friendly, try to say hi to people, and in the morning they ship you off 5, 6 a.m. You get to the ship, you see it for the first time, and you think, that's huge. Little do you know it's gonna get smaller and smaller as the time goes on. And then once you get on the ship, 
They sit you down and it's just training after training after training. They really need you to get up to stuff for safety. So it's exhausting. You're pulling about 10, 12 hour days just getting your training done. Once it's all over and then you settle, it's hilarious. It's like you just join the secret club and everyone's like, okay, you're done your basic safety. You're all welcome to the family. You're still here. You survived. Everything's going to be great now. What do you think would have surprised the general public the most when it comes to what the cruise lines expect of staff? I think there's the whole culture behind how each worker reacts towards the guests on the ship. Each ship does it differently. I think Disney is the best example because they just do it. They have a formula and they do it right. Before you start working for Disney Cruise Lines, you have to go through Disney's training, which is how to be a Disney employee. And it's from just basic customer service, basic human decency, common courtesy, just how to be nice to people, to very weird things that you never think about, like how to point your fingers, uh, what certain ways to direct people. And it's not just with Disney, but Norwegian Cruise Line does the same thing. Uh, they have a certain way that they want their employees to interact with the guests. Same with Holland America. For instance, on one cruise line, I might be able to casually have a drink and have a cigarette with the guest, whereas on another cruise line, I'm not allowed to drink or be seen in public at all with a cigarette. So some people would think that, oh, it's just, I'm sure when you go on, you have these privileges, and it's like, actually you're not allowed to go here. You're not allowed to do that. There's a lot of restrictions on what we're, we are and aren't allowed to do. Are there any rules um, that staff are more inclined to break than others? It's the drinking policy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we all work on a ship and we're all, we're all responsible for safety and we all do our drills and we all know how to operate the ship. But I mean, on a cruise ship, <laughs> if we have to be ready for emergency duties, there's a drinking limit. But you'd be hard-pressed to find security at the bar after a certain hour because I'm sure everyone would get fired. It doesn't happen as often. I mean, I've seen people get... Oh, I think in my career I've probably seen just a handful of people get fired. Maybe around five. It hasn't been too many that I can keep a steady count. The most reasons that I've seen people get fired for has been alcohol-related. People drink too much the night before, and it's honestly, they just don't show up to work on time. Or they drink too much in port, and they can't make their way back onto the ship and security catches them. The, uh, the most interesting reason I've seen someone get fired for was somebody was supposed to be standing on a sentry post. It was for a fireworks display. So somebody was supposed to be standing at Sentry and making sure nobody walked into the blasting area where they launch out the fireworks. Well, this guy just decided he was needed somewhere else and he left. And a bunch of people wandered into the blasting area and it was this big kerfuffle and everyone was trying to get people out of the blasting area before the fireworks were going off. And yeah, he got, you get what's called the five o'clock knock. And that's when literally the staff captain or the captain will come to your room at 5 a.m knock on your door and say, pack your stuff, you're getting off the ship at six. I had my roommate actually go, go home because of the five o'clock knock. So you hear a bang on the door and you open it up and when you see the captain there, you kind of just hope, I hope he's here to see my roommate, not me. 
I think the craziest reason I've seen someone get fired is because someone stole internet. That was an interesting one. We were born to voyage, taking our guests to over 100 countries, exploring new lands, experiencing new customs, and making new friends. Every cruise line has their, their niche and has their market, so I guess it boils down to what guests they cater to. I mean, Disney is a very family-oriented cruise line, so you have a lot of young families, a lot of young kids. Uh, one of the ships I worked on, we had an average of about 800 to 1,000 kids under the age of 18 each cruise. And then you go on the flip side, you go to Holland America, where it's all about it's older clientele. You got a bunch of senior citizens. The average age of your cruiser is 65 years old. Each cruise line runs their, their business and what they cater a little bit differently. Norwegian cruise lines, the guests are there. They're there to party. They're there to have a good time. Uh, for Norwegian, it's like a lot of these guests haven't cruised before. The demeanor of Norwegian guests when they get on board, it's overwhelming to them because there's so much those ships have to offer. And they don't know what to do. And it's so nice being able just to, to help them. And Disney is awesome as well. I mean, when a guest gets on board a Disney ship for the first time, they know what they're getting into. They want to see Mickey Mouse. They want to see Goofy. And being part of their... They're just happy to be there. And getting to be part of their memories is, is super awesome because I can say I can help them find Mickey Mouse and I can unseemingly make their day just by doing a little gesture. So Disney guests are really fun to take care of. Holland America, they're different. They've cruised so much that they put me to shame. Like, I've cruised for seven years, but even when I talk to them, they're like, whatever, we've cruised for 15 or 20 years. And I can't say anything to them. I'm like, yeah, you have been. And I love, love talking to them and love hearing their stories because they'll tell me about their stateroom steward from 20 years ago who's still working with the company. And they're just super knowledgeable. It's really fun to go to Holland America. It's a nice break from Norwegian Disney sometimes. What happens to um, guests when they do bad things when they're on a cruise ship? Depends on the bad thing. I mean, on the one hand, so if you break a rule, if you break the law, the ship will, will kick you off. Next port. Here's your bags. Here's your passport. Have fun buying a ticket home. Pretty much airports that way. We have a bridge where we have a place that we can lock up people on board the ship as well. I've seen people locked up in that area and then they're turned over to the local authorities on our next call, whatever that is. Uh, but then, I mean, on the other hand, you also get the guests. You get the guests who do stupid things because they just, they've been drinking too much. But then you also get the guests who leave their brains at home on vacation. I was on charter cruises. So charter cruises is when a company will come on and they'll rent out the ship. So it's run by a third party. They get all the guests, they align, they arrange all the entertainment ship is basically this there to float and feed them. I've seen some EDM cruises and I've seen some of the guests get super wild. Um, just on the ship partying for hours on end. Partying from 8 in the morning till 4 in, four in the morning. And the craziest thing I saw someone do is they have the pool on deck 10 and then there's a bar that overlooks it on deck 11 and they were really scared about people jumping from the bar to the pool so they drained the pool and they put the net up, which didn't stop some people. So I saw one guest jump up on a rail, high dive into the pool, which was empty, 
Net didn't do much to stop him, but he jumped right back up and started partying again and just jumped into the crowd like no big deal. And it was insane. Eventually, we got him down to medical and yeah, he, he messed himself up pretty bad. But yeah, that's some of the clientele you get on those ships, I guess. How do you cope with being away from your hometown for long instances at a time? That is the tough part. I Skype and I WhatsApp and I Facebook and I call home constantly. Internet is probably one of the most costly things on a ship and I spend a small fortune on it just trying to be connected to home. I've gotten used to it over seven years so the homesickness doesn't really get to me all that often. What is the most difficult part of being away from Victoria for so long? It's missing the big events. I missed my best friend's bachelor party because I had to I had to coordinate if I wanted to go to the party or if I wanted to go to the wedding. And you gotta make compromises like that. So there are gonna be times where you're on a ship and something's gonna come up and you're gonna be powerless to do anything. Short of somebody passing away, there's not much that can get you off the ship. So there's no taking an emergency leave. If you wanna go, that's it. Put in your resignation and go. Living in the dark is very strange. What do you mean by living in the dark? One of the biggest things about people falling into a routine with eat, sleep, and work that people don't think about is it's very hard to see natural sunlight on a ship or breathe fresh air. I've had friends who got into this cycle where they would eat, sleep, and work, and after about three days, I asked them, I'm like, hey, dude, did you go out in port today? Like, did you go outside? And they'll say, no, 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 I haven't. I said, okay, dude, you need to think about this. You haven't breathed fresh air in about three days. Like, you should probably go outside, go lie out on the deck, and just get some vitamin D, and just, it'll do a lot for your, for your health here. And they'll go out, and they'll take a step outside and just breathe in some fresh air. I always tell people, whenever I'm walking down the corridor, if I'm walking with someone, I'll pull them on the outside deck, and I'll walk with them outside. And I'll, they'll say, why do you want to walk out here? I'm like, just look outside. Just breathe some air. Just admire what's going on out there in the distance, and it's just see. That's really all. That's what really what you need to do to keep yourself sane on the ship. What is the most rewarding thing about working on a cruise line? It's meeting the people, getting to know all the different nationalities, meeting people you would have never met in a million years, and then being able to call them friends for however long. It's I. I travel a lot, and I can go to almost any country in the world and always have a couch to sleep on. That's probably the best part. What do you think you'll miss the most when you're finished working on board? If I ever get stressed out on ships, the one thing that I will always do, which I'm surprised not many other people do, is I always take that walk outside, and I'll always go stop, and I'll just look at the ocean. And I stop, and I think, and I tell myself, there's no better view in the world. And it's just ocean and horizon, usually sunny. And I could stare at that all day long, and it just makes it worth it. Thank you to Ryan for participating.
We just heard Cruising, a story curated by CFUV's production team. Next up, we have a story about an attraction made with only tourists in mind. This attraction began only to cater to visitors, but some business-minded artisans have found a way to make it work in their favor. That's coming up in a minute when our program continues. Support for Full Circle comes from Oak Bay Bikes, serving cyclists in Victoria for over 80 years. Are you curious about e-bikes? Check out the Oak Bay Bikes Demo On Demand program. At Oak Bay Bikes, E is for everyone. For more information, visit Oak Bay Bikes in Victoria or on the West Shore, or online at oakbaybikes.com. From CFUV 101.9 FM, you're listening to Full Circle. I'm your host, Jordan Barron. Welcome back. In this episode, we are taking a look at the tourism industry in Victoria, how it helps and how it hinders Victoria citizens, and what comes out of an industry that seems to have no end to how many attractions it will create to try and make a dollar for this city's economy. Our next piece is called Late Night Market. As most businesses in the downtown core close bizarrely early, the average being 6 p.m. on weekdays, downtown entrepreneurs had to get creative with a way to sell goods and services to cruise ship patrons. Enter the Ship Point Night Market, a collection of vendors that set up in the inner harbor to attract cruise ship patrons, who usually arrive in town either minutes before or right after all of the downtown businesses shut down for the night. Coming up, we head to the market to speak with Joseph Gagnon, the head coordinator of the market, and a few people working and shopping there. All right, here's Late Night Market. The sun lingers over the Victoria Harbor on a warm summer weekend evening. Subdued chatter fills the air, over top of an arrowware violin. Along the wharf, two rows of artisanal vendors have gathered to sell their goods as part of the Ship Point Night Market. Here, they will entertain crowds until after the sun sets on the water and this sleepy city slows to a halt for the night. Although there are a handful of night markets that happen around the Greater Victoria area on a regular basis, this summertime event began to cater to a very specific summer crowd. My name's Joseph Gagno, and I operate the night market in the Victoria Harbor. I caught up with Joseph Gagno, the head coordinator, to learn more about the market. The night market started about 14 years ago with a, a few vendors on Ship Point. We had a beautiful waterfront pier with no activity on it, and I thought it'd be a good idea to you know, put on a market that would cater to cruise ship traffic that comes into the evening, because a lot of the stores on Government Street, Johnson Street, are closed down at 9 o'clock. We used to be a jewelry market where every other booth was jewelry, but this past year things have changed and clothing seems to be really popular. So now I have some uh, retro jackets, uh, recycled material being made into jackets, clothing, uh, bamboo shirts. We still have jewelry, of course. Handcrafted wares, but made out of wood. So uh, where there laser printing's coming in really big right now. So you can now laser print a diagram or a, a phrase on anything, wood, stone, plastic. Um, and then the next big thing is gonna be 3D printing. So did it start with a certain goal or target audience in mind? Yeah, the main audience was the cruise ship traffic, because when there's three cruise ships in, we can get around 4,000 people in uh, that get dropped right downtown core, but without a lot of retail open, there's not a lot of shopping going on. 
So the idea was to give them an alternative, but also give a lot of the local artists, um, crafters, a chance to sell their wares to a public that really isn't the same every weekend. So every weekend they get new customers. Down on Ship Point, a few vendors took some time out of the evening to chat with me about their booths. Yep, hi, my name's Genevieve. We're with Wild Abandon and we sell jewelry. It's just a great place to be. There's lots of tourists that come through here. Uh, it's a great vibe. It's every weekend and it's just regular and it's fun to be out here. Um, so who is it that you get the most sales from? I would say most likely um, cruise ship passengers that are passing through Victoria, so a lot of American tourists. How much of a percentage would you say that the cruise ships bring for you? I would say probably around 60-70%, like a lot. Yeah. In your opinion, as someone who runs a night market, why are night markets so popular in Victoria? Because there are quite a few night markets, like the Oak Bay Night Market. The difference with our market is it actually goes into the night. So we're there till 10.30 at night. And on a warm August night, you can find us there at 11 o'clock at night. So we're one of the few markets that open up a little bit later, but stay open past sunset, and we light up. So when everybody lights up, it's like mosquitoes and all the cruise ship passengers see the market light up and they basically come down to see what's there. And I think one of the popularities is, you know, vendors have a chance to have a regular job and they can go and sell at a market. People work during the day, during the week, but now they have something to do in the evening on a nice summer afternoon or early evening. Go for a walk with your kid you know, get them some exercise, do a little shopping. So that makes it, I think, pretty popular. The weekends are really busy for people in general, especially locals. We don't compete for foot traffic, but we compete for vendors. I think every market competes for vendors in one way, because a vendor is always looking for the best opportunity for them based on their product and their hours that they're available. But there's a lot of vendors. We're an artistic city, so there's a lot of people making things in their house. Mm -hmm. So it works out pretty good. How many of those vendors are local? Some of them do come from Mill Bay or Duncan, mm -hmm. but I mean, they're all island artists. On the special events like Canada Day, we call them Harbor Day events. So Canada Day weekend, where we set up for three days and three nights, we'll be setting up on the Friday, but don't take down until the Sunday. So those are day and night markets, but those bring in vendors from the mainland, up island, because they can come stay in a hotel and stay for three nights. Hi, my name is uh, Lisa Mellett and I am the owner-operator of Queen Bee Farms. This is my second year of business actually, but I've been beekeeping for uh, just all about six and, and uh, kind of evolved into, into doing a, a variety of different products from herbal teas and, and uh, making things with honey and of course the honey from the hives. I do a variety of markets. I do the Ships Point Market, of course, and, and I also do uh, Sydney and I go I travel up island to Parksville and and a variety of different ones uh, in Oak Bay, so kind of keep it more more to the Victoria side of things, but uh, yeah, have fun with it. What made you decide to be a vendor at um, the Ship Point Night Market? Well, I really like uh, the location, and um, it's nice meeting uh, a lot of the international tourists that come into town. So um, our products tend to sell sell well to uh, the people that come traveling through Victoria, and um, we also have a good following with the locals. So it's a good way to connect with people. We get a you know a fair degree of locals, but uh, a good portion of our sales would be um, cruise ship from the cruise ship traffic and, and tourists coming through. My name's Jenny Christie, and the name of my business is Jenny Mac. That's sort of my alias. 
she's the fun-loving, fashionable girl, whereas I'm just the businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And I sell clothing, so locally made, bamboo, lifestyle, casual hoodies, that, that sort of thing. Nice. So you make all this clothing yourself? I used to. I started about 10 years ago sewing in my basement and it quickly became bigger than I could manage. So now I have a small network of ladies that sew for me. I've been doing markets for four or five years now. Um, Generally, I don't like to do a show that's less than 10,000 people coming through, but this is the one exception. Why is this an exception? Number one, the location's amazing. Um, Number two, it's a night market. I sell a lot of hoodies, so a lot of tourists come in and they're freezing, they're unprepared for the damp west coast, and so I'm here lurking in the uh, the (laughs) shadows with a, a, a nice hoodie for sale. So it's the night market aspect of it that I like. What made you decide to be a vendor at this market as opposed to going to, say, the Oak Bay market or another night market that's happening around town at the moment? For me, the attraction was the tourists. This is where the tourists go as opposed to Moss Street or Oak Bay or anything like that. That's more of a local, and uh, and that's great, but I sell a lot to locals uh, in stores, at the big craft shows. Those are where the locals come out. This is where the tourists come out. So this is my one chance to yeah, tap the tourist market, shall we say? I also caught up with Eric and Sharon, a couple visiting from Ohio who had wandered down to the market that evening. Uh, what brought you to the market? Uh, we were just wandering we around just down here. Came <laughs> down here. Uh, we went up to um, the Blue Crab. Uh, farther up to the Blue Crab for drinks and a bit of snack, and then we took a water taxi over here to the taxi landing and just walked right up. So it's really right in the middle of everything. We bought a bead for my necklace. How did you hear about the market? I think we didn't. Were... We just wandered into it. <laughs> We didn't know about it. Random motion. Yeah. (laughs) Did you do any correspondence with the cruise lines or Ogden Point or anything to start the uh, Ship Point night market? Normally, that would be the proper way to do a market. But because the first year was considered a pilot project, and I was working for the Harbor Authority on the project and working with them to start this new market in the Inner Harbor, there wasn't any communication with Ogden Point or the cruise ship um, captains until the second or third year when Twitter became popular and I was able to tweet directly to them. But in general, no, we just set up and hoped that they would come down. We put a sign up on the end of the pier and said, okay, let's see what happens. What would you say makes this market special? Or um, have well, you enjoyed it's on the water? It's accessible and it's and right it's here. Real people doing, yeah. you know, local and it's, things. Yeah, people making things and doing making things. Making things, yeah. artists. I really enjoyed hearing the airhu, the the very very well played airhu. It was very beautiful. My thought on markets in general, not 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 even just including the Ship Point Night Market, is that a lot of the revenue that comes in comes into this town for three or four days. They spend money in, let's say, uh, multinational stores, local stores. But when they come to a market, 99% of the money spent at the market will stay in Victoria. They go to the vendors' pockets, they go to their families, they go shopping in Victoria. So a lot of that money stays here. So for an economic boost for local, it's amazing. (laughs) 
For more information on the Ship Point Night Market, visit victoriaharborfestival.com. That last piece, Late Night Market, was created by members of CFUV's production team. Our last story tells the tale of two festivals, festivals so similar in fact that patrons of the events couldn't tell the difference between them. One event, called the Victoria International Buskers Festival, went on without competition for many years. Just this past year, the downtown Victoria Buskers Festival noticed the slight name change, swooped in on the International Buskers Festival's reign, snagged most of their funding, and booked popular performance spots before the International Buskers Festival had a chance to. Of course, from all of this competition back and forth between the two festivals, drama ensues. Coming up, Buskers versus Buskers. The dog days of summer bring many celebration to the streets of Victoria. From long-standing traditions like the Dragon Boat Festival and the Blues Bash, to blossoming events like Pride Week and the Eventide Music Series, there's always something to do in the downtown area during the months of July and August. For the sixth year in a row, Victoria invited a handful of street performers from all around the world to put on a week-long show for pedestrians of the downtown area. Victorians take joy in visiting the core to get a glimpse of the variety acts brought here. This year, the festival had switched hands from the Victoria International Buskers Festival Society to the Downtown Victoria Business Association. This caused the festival to ever so slightly change names from the Victoria International Buskers Festival to the Downtown Victoria Buskers Festival. CFUV correspondent Arcade spoke to Kerry Milton, director of the new festival, to get some information about the celebrations this year. Yeah, so it's a six-day event. Um, we bring in international buskers from all over the world, including Israel and Spain and Australia. Um, buskers, of course, is a variety of things, from mm-hmm. singing to dancing to acrobatics to fire shows to magic. You name it, we've got it, um, as well as some local talent. Uh, the Clover Point Drifters, they're a fun band. We, okay. I want to watch them. They you know, have banjos and fiddles and all kinds of things. They're like the bluegrass, kind of. They're from their local and uh, they're fantastic to watch. Um, so how it worked here is you had to apply okay. to, to be part of this festival. Um, we had well over 100 applications to be here, so then we had to narrow it down. And then we had a group of people, um, you know, some people from the community, some people from the city, some people from our staff, that uh, then adjudicated them anonymously. So we, would all, we all sat together and we watched their, um, their videos and such things. And then we adjudicated them uh, completely anonymously. Uh, and then our talent coordinator combined all the totals together, and that's how the people were chosen. We asked Carrie about how the DVBA came into being in charge of this year's Buskers Festival. We were actually asked by the partners to take it over because the uh, earlier Buskers Festival had found some financial difficulties and they didn't want to lose it for the city. So we um, were asked by the partners to take it over. So we did. <laughs> You may have noticed that Carrie spoke of last year's festival being different from the downtown Victoria Buskers Festival. But the question remains, what inner workings have changed unbeknownst to the public? A Buskers Festival is a celebration of street theater. We bring This is the voice of John Vickers, as heard in an archive of CFUV's retired arts and culture program, Post Everything. 
Vickers sat down with CFUV in 2013 to talk about the International Buskers Festival. I, I really try to get a lot of diversity between acts. We've got a lot of shows here where you don't want to have too many people doing the same thing. So you really try to find some acts that really uh, are able to distinguish themselves because of their uniqueness and creativity compared to to other acts. So that, that certainly has a lot to do with it. And as well, um, now, as I said, we've built a lot of relationships with buskers who, I call them global buskers, who travel the world and they see each other at these different international events. So you, you, you begin to establish friendships and relationships and you get the inside feedback of, hey, you should really bring this group in from Melbourne and uh, that sort of thing. We're a, a, a non-profit uh, society and we operate year-round. It takes a year to uh, put together a budget of about $170,000 to make it all happen and we receive funding from grants as well as uh, corporate sponsorships and merchandising and that sort of thing. I think it's not just the families and, and the, the community at large that benefits, but I, I, I certainly think there's an economic impact, which I'd like to remind uh, our funding partners that there's uh, there's revenues back on that end as well, so that makes it pretty good too. So I always say the day after the Buskers Festival, it's like walking into a restaurant where the, uh, the, uh, the music left. You know, it really you really notice that the downtown is so much quieter, and it really does bring a lot of life to, to downtown. I, you know, one of the things that I that motivated me to bring uh, this vision of three festivals to Victoria, the Buskers is the first one, uh, and that is uh, downtown is, is struggling like a lot of BC communities where you have big shopping centers drawing people out of the core. And I think the way to restore a downtown is is to be able to it's bring the families. Uh, bring the community into downtown, and I think that's how we can rebuild downtown Victoria. It certainly had some struggles in the last few years, and uh, uh, people don't... Vickers declined to comment for this report, but since the DVBA has taken over the reins of coordinating the Buskers Festival, Mr. Vickers has taken to Twitter to vent his frustrations. Vickers has openly complained of the DVBA's festival, saying that pictures of the previous year's festival was used to promote this year's, and that special interests had a hand in the changeover. To quote posts made from John Vickers' Twitter account, Summer festival season approaches, and the Victoria City Council has sold out our local community to special interests, not our downtown. Hashtag staying away. The hardest part of witnessing strategic theft of the island's largest festival from the community was the level of complicity by some on the city council. Losing buskers is like your seven-year-old walking home from school with an A, being kidnapped off the sidewalk and showing up in a DVBA horror movie. Many of the sponsors of the previous festival, including big names like the Greater Victoria Harbour Authority and the Bay Centre, among others, hopped on board with this year's performances without question. Jill Sawyer of the Greater Victoria Harbour Authority gives insight on the process of sponsoring events. The uh, Greater Victoria Harbour Authority sponsors events throughout the year, and the process for an event planner to uh, access sponsorship would be to apply to our organization. All of our information is on our website at gvha.ca, and uh, we encourage event planners to fill out those forms and send them in. We have uh, a full-time person here on staff who assesses those 
applications and we'll work with event planners to make sure that uh, their event goes the way they'd like it to. Because we do get a lot of applications every year, we can only assess the uh, the sponsorship applications that we receive. And so um, we only got the one, and so that was the only one that we were able to look at. And uh, it fit well with, our, uh, with what we're trying to achieve down on the harbor with events and um, with providing the public with uh, um, a great experience down there. And so we uh, did choose to sponsor that one, but it was the only application that we received for an event like this. As the show went on under direction of another authority, this year's Buskers Festival was well attended by Victoria citizens. Some were averse to planning and coordination of the attractions. We noticed a different setup this year compared to the other years that we've been here. We find that uh, sitting in the grandstand, it's a lot easier to see the uh, acts that are going on, whereas uh, if you're just on one level, you have a lot of people sitting in front of you and you can't see very well. I find it a lot more confusing this year. We don't know where any of the stages are and the programs are all messed up, I don't know. Others didn't notice much of a difference. It seems similar, even though I know it's put on by a different organization. I love the Buskers Festival. It's one of my favorite um, events in the downtown every year, so. Either way, buskers from around the world were excited to perform to patient onlookers. I'm with the... Beat the Streets. Awesome. And you guys are a busker here yep. performing in Victoria. Yep. Is there anything you want to say about Victoria uh, and the Busker Festival so far? I mean, yeah. so far the Busker's Festival are doing a great job. I mean, our combination, just everything about it being here, it's just, since we arrived, has been incredible. Like, one of my favorite fest, top favorite festivals in my, you know... 10, 15 years of doing them. It's actually up there, so, so do doing a great job. It's going to be, you know, yeah, it's hard. It's such a good place. It's like I'm scared to get to the next destination. Yeah. Aww. So, like, say if they they were if they put on the festival next year, would you guys try to come back? I will. If I get invited to come back, I would definitely come back. Awesome. 100%. Yeah. I'm at the Buskers Festival in downtown Victoria, and I'm currently with... Duluki! Awesome. Thanks so much. And you guys came all the way from Israel to perform here? That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's absolutely beautiful. It's amazing feeling to perform here. The weather is nice. It's very nice. The people are super friendly and nice. Uh, lots of people here. Great shows. Not only us, really great shows, great lineup. Uh, very nice food. Lots to see here. Lots okay. to see. Just before the celebrations commenced this year, Vickers announced that the International Buskers Festival would be moved to Kamloops by the summer of 2018. For the foreseeable future, the DVBA plans to direct the festivities in Victoria. Again, here's Kerry Milton. We're going to really assess, because this is our first year, like, yeah, like, oh. so, um, so we, you know, we brought in some different things, like I said, sprinkling the buskers throughout the downtown is new, that's never happened before, having driftwood here, you know, to do a beer garden, that's never been done before, so what we'll do is at the end of this festival, we'll do a post-mortem of what worked and what didn't work, and then that'll launch us into what we want to do for the next year. For more information on the two festivals, visit victoriabuskers.com and downtownvictoria.ca slash events. Thank you to the Downtown Victoria Business Association, Beat the Streets, Duo Lucky, and the Greater Victoria Harbour Authority for participating.
That was Buskers vs. Buskers, a piece created by members of CFUV's production team. If you enjoyed our program, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more stories like these, head over to cfuvpodcasts.com or soundcloud.com slash cfuv. Our intro is composed and performed by Poddington Bear. The outro for this episode is Gender, written and composed by Painted Fruit. Other music is performed by Croatia and Loving, both amazing bands from Victoria. Our producers for this episode, in no particular order, are myself, Arcade Palette, Tyler Swagger, and Max Collins. This program is created by CFUV's podcasting production team. If you want to be a part of creating high-quality spoken word programming, head to cfuv.ca to find out more. Full Circle is made possible with the generous support from Oak Bay Bicycles and the Community Radio Fund of Canada. I'm your host, Jordan Barron. This is Full Circle. Thanks for listening. Support for Full Circle comes from Oak Bay Bikes. Proudly serving the cyclists among UVic students and faculty since 1963. Visit Oak Bay Bikes in Victoria or on the West Shore or online at oakbaybikes.com.